0: Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. We, uh, yeah, began, Mark, all the way back in September of 2021. That feels like so long ago. And kind of like seasons uh, of TV shows that you may watch, you're like, I've been watching this for you know, six seasons now or something, and I uh, want to let you know we are finally in the final premiere of the series of Mark, all right? So uh, today is the series premiere of that, of the last se- season. Uh, we'll conclude the book of Mark uh, in, on Easter Sunday. Um, and so similar to TV shows, uh, maybe give us a quick recap, because we took a break for the fall holiday kind of season, fall winter seasons. And so uh, we're going to do a previously on, all right? So uh, Jesus, uh, we we step into the book of Mark. Jesus is um, entering into ministry right away. So there's like immediate is the word that Mark likes to use. It's a really fast-paced gospel. And so um, uh, the ministry in Galilee, he is healing the sick, casting out. Uh, oppressive demonic forces, showing uh, his authority over them. He is healing those unable to walk, restoring sight to the blind, and even raising the dead, a little girl that he raised from the dead. He's teaching with authority, unlike the teachers of the law around them, uh, which makes them pretty jealous. Uh, the people are like, wow, who is this man? Um, they're thinking he's a great teacher, maybe a great prophet, and the, but the question is still looming out there. He's so much more, but they don't know exactly what that means. Uh, the disciples even are kind of confused. They're like, well, you know, Jesus asked them, who do you say? And they say the Messiah, which we'll talk about that a little bit. And, and, they, and they're like, yeah, that's true. But then what does that mean? Jesus begins to talk about like what his being the Messiah means. And it's like kind of a disc scratch, you know, for them they're like, oh, I, that's not what I was thinking. Uh, so uh, the chief priests and teachers of the law are also, uh, the tensions being raised, they're, they're like like three or four times throughout the text so far, they're thinking, we really gotta get this guy. We gotta we gotta get this guy out of here. And so they're seeking ways to bring Jesus down. And uh, Jesus' mission, the 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 whole point of his purpose of being here and coming and being the Messiah, he describes it in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. For many now fade to black all right and then all right that's the previously on right uh, and so uh, we are going to enter into chapter 14 uh, verses 1 through 11 and uh, we are picking up right here uh, in uh, uh, this is kind of getting to the part of the story where like the climax of all the tension and all of the things that Jesus is here for. It's all kind of coming to a head, and uh, this is where it really begins to kick off. So Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. If you are here and in need of a physical copy of the Bible, there is one in front of you in the pews, and uh, feel free to take that with you if you'd like. Um, But uh, a shortcut to the place that we're at is page 873, so you can uh, just kind of flip there. And I'm going to read uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout throughout the whole world, uh, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Um, yeah, what a, what a dark scene there, it kind of beginning and ending. Uh, you've got this kind of, uh, imagine like a mob scene or something, you know, dark room, the shadows everywhere, smoke in the air, and they're like, how do we get rid of this guy? You know, like that's kind of what's happening here. The chief priests and the, the teachers of the law, these are are religious and legal authorities uh, in, the, in the people of, of Israel's time. And they're thinking about, like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy, um, but not during the festival because there's lots of people coming to Jerusalem. Why? Because of the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. And uh, the the story begins and ends with this kind of, like, dark scenarios happening. Like, the chief priests are looking for a way to... To destroy Jesus. And Judas at the end in verses 10 and 11 goes to them and says, I can do that for you. So it's kind of this tiny little like um, bookends of, uh, uh, and right in the middle we have this scene that's happening, um, this beautiful scene, this maybe surprising scene. And Jesus uh, is calm in the midst of danger. Um, he is kind of sitting at someone's house, Simon the leper. Uh, Simon the leper was probably someone that Jesus healed um, because uh, he has a house in the city and of Bethany. And um, if you're a leper, you probably can't really have guests over, things like that. And, um, but this is probably someone Jesus healed, and he's having dinner. And Jesus is very aware of all the danger that's going on around him. And, uh, and then we have this interesting scene where the woman comes in and breaks a jar of very expensive perfume and pours it on his head. Um, you know, this, uh, this story is, um, I think we can take a lot of different approaches to it. it I think it's a story of, of worship in some way. It's a story of sacrifice, which is what worship looks like. Uh, but it's also a story of um, our, who we are as people looking at an action that's been done and wondering if this action is a waste or if it's a beauty, a beautiful thing. Um, Oftentimes, what we tend to see as waste, um, God may have a very different perspective on it, and he says it's beautiful. And so, uh, Waste or Beauty is the title of this story. And uh, as we look at this, uh, why did, you know, the question comes up, why did some of these people present think that it was such a waste to pour this perfume on Jesus. Um, you know, they said it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money given to the poor. Uh, it's an, You know, this, this idea of wasting something on, on someone like Jesus. Um, obviously, there's this picture of, uh, or this uh, costliness to the perfume, right? So, uh, more than a year's wages, it's 300 Uh, Or so, you know, denarii, whatever it is. And it was almost like an annual salary that someone is just kind of taking and giving and lavishly to somebody and saying, I don't need this. Uh, You are more worthy of this than I am. And so you have some people present who are are maybe just like boggled by this idea of like, why would someone do this? Uh, And then thinking, you know what, like that could have been way better if you did it this way. You should have done it that way. Um, How often are we as people? able to take, like, look at something someone else does, maybe an extravagant gift, and um, and wonder, you know what they should have done? You know, maybe there's some jealousy that comes up. Maybe there's some um, uh, pride that comes up that, like, I wish I hadn't that amount of money. I would have done this and this and this and this. And um, maybe that's something that's happening here. Uh, I think Judas could have been one of these people. He was the money changer, and he kind of... Uh, maybe like to take some of the money from, from the, the purse, as we know, from different Gospels. But yeah, they they, they, undervalued, they overvalued the object for which the woman was coming, to, to coming and bringing. And they also undervalued uh, the object upon which she poured the perfume. They undervalued Jesus himself. Um, Jesus uh, is worthy of it all, as we, we've sung songs like that. And and they, they still didn't understand the preciousness of who Jesus was. Um, they were confused about his mission still, you know, as we looked at in the text, and they're just, Jesus said like three times, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my life, and, um, and people are just so confused. So, they're, they're, they're undervaluing Jesus. Um, nothing for this woman, though, nothing was too costly for uh, compared to Jesus, nothing was too costly compared to Jesus. Jesus was more uh, worth more than all of her most valuable possession. I think this perfume uh, was looked at as something that could have been used for burial rites. Um, maybe uh, this has been saved for a long time, and they're you know they 're going to bury their parents or bury their loved ones and they 're going to use this perfume to to um, uh, to pour this on the body, to prepare the body for burial. And it's usually after someone has already died. Um, but this woman, for whatever, for whatever reason, came in and just knew that she had to do this for Jesus. Um, she just came in uh, ready to do this action. And uh, she gets flack for it, and um, it's a sad situation. Um, you know, people saying this is a waste, why this waste? Um, and that was the response of the people but Jesus, as we know, sees through the action to the most inner place of the heart. Jesus can see through our actions to the most inner place of our hearts. And so he calls out the, these people's hypocrisy, uh, potential hypocrisy. He says, um, the poor you will always have with you, and you can, do, you can help them whenever you want. You know, this idea that they're thinking about poor people all of a sudden, uh, when this expensive gift comes into play. Um, and, and sometimes when you look at that phrase, uh, you can wonder, like, oh, is Jesus kind of disparaging poor people in this scenario? And of course not. He s- served everyone, especially those in dire need. Um, but the NIV, if, if you've got it in front of you, has a little footnote to Deuteronomy 15, verse 11. And Jesus is uh, someone who deeply understands scripture, deeply knows it. It's in him. Uh, he is the word of God, but it, he also studied it, and, and it's just, it, it's, it's in him. So 15 verse 11 says, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you, this is Moses to the people of Israel. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. This idea that, yeah, they're always gonna have people in need, so let's always be generous. And so maybe Jesus is saying, hey, look, you, he's maybe quoting this verse a little bit and saying, you can help them anytime you want. All of a sudden, you want to help them now, you know, when someone comes and does something incredibly lavish and and, uh, a gift. Um, Again, they didn't understand what was happening, but uh, Jesus took it as, this is a beautiful thing. So Jesus looks into the heart of the action. Again, he looks into the heart of the reaction of the people who are saying this is a waste and he's looking to the heart of the action of the one who gave the gift and he says this is a beautiful thing. She has done a beautiful thing to me. That word beautiful uh, in the Greek translation of the Bible of the Old Testament it's called the Septuagint. This word beautiful or good or noble maybe in your translations is the same word that God uses when he In Genesis 1, looks at creation, and he says, uh, he looked at everything, and he said, this is very good. And so Jesus is looking at this action that this woman gave to him, uh, that this woman has done for him, and he says, this is very good. This is beautiful. Um, What incredible praise coming from Jesus, what incredible gift coming from Jesus to this action, because again, he sees past all of this, uh, all the action into the heart. Um, she did what she could, he said. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. She did what she could. Uh, you know, this this idea that she gave the most of what she was able to give. She sacrificed all she could in this moment. Uh, reminds me of a couple stories that we'll chat about here in a, in a second. But uh, yeah, and when he says... Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I've always been confused like by this part of the story. I don't know why. So I looked up uh, the passage of like, I looked up in a commentary, like, what does that mean? And it says this, your reading of this verse fulfills this promise. And I said, oh, okay. So I, mean, yeah, I don't know why I thought there was like some deep, you know, but uh, the idea that, um, that Jesus honors her, her action, and, and says, this is going to be a legacy. And she wasn't coming in to do that. She wasn't coming in to be a legacy or to any of that. She was coming with a heart to give to Jesus the most what she had. And so, again, this reminds me of some stories of, uh, in, in the Gospels and in some other ones that I'll share in a second. But what uh, what things do we look at and say, oh, that's a waste, or that's not enough, that's you know, a little bit here and there and whatever, you know, like that's not that big of a deal. Um, the widow who gave the two coins, that was told in Mark chapter 12. She had two coins and, and she was coming in toward the end of the line where, and every, all these people who had a lot more than her were wealthy and they were giving some of their, of their treasure and putting into the treasury in the temple. And Jesus is just watching all of this happen. He's observing from a distance and then he sees this widow walk up and give two little less-than-pennies coins, and she puts it into the treasury, and Jesus stops, and he stops his disciples. Look at this. What she just did, she, she gave, I don't know exactly if he said more than everybody, but it's almost like this, she gave the most, like, um, she, she gave all that she had. That's all she had to live on. She gave it to the treasury. Um, Jesus is looking for beautiful things in the midst of challenging, trying circumstances. Jesus' eyes are open to the hearts of those that are coming to him for worship, coming to him to uh, provide something, coming to him to, to, in need. And, uh, and Jesus observes it. Even in the midst of this plot to take his life, he's, he's looking out for those who, whose hearts are his. So Jesus sees through the innermost places of the heart. You know, I, I was thinking of some other stories in the Bible. Uh, one other story that I think of, um, and maybe because we were dedicating Aiden today, um, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 talks about the story of Hannah. And she comes to the temple because she is distraught. She can't have babies. She is struggling. She's praying to the Lord I mean, just pouring her heart out, and it says that her lips were moving as she's praying, and she's praying in her heart. And Eli, the high priest at the time, sees her, and, you know, he basically is saying, what a waste. You know, he's like, he thinks, he thinks she's drunk. So uh, maybe he thinks she's wasted. I'm not sure, but, like, <laughs> what a waste. And he comes in, and he's like, hey, you need to stop drinking. You know, come here drunk. And, um, you know, and Hannah corrects him, and she's like, hey, I'm actually praying, I'm so sorrowful, I'm so sad, this is what's happening in my life, and uh, I'm coming to the Lord for just to pour out my heart to him. And I mean, you know, again, scratch, and he realizes he's in the wrong, and he says, well, may the Lord show favor on you. And the Lord did, and uh, she had Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, where we as humans see wastefulness, Jesus and the father sees beauty. Um, A couple other examples, maybe more recently, uh, the Asbury revival. I don't know if you guys have been following any of that. And when I first heard about it, I thought it was, you know, interesting uh, that there are some college students out there singing and and things like that. And maybe there was also, if I'm a little ashamed to admit it, a little bit of cynicism of like, I wonder if that's real, you know, that kind of thing. And, 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 uh, but what's, what does Jesus see when he sees people pouring out their hearts to him, when he sees people confessing their sins to one another, when he sees people providing for each other 's needs? I, I heard of, of a story of an international student who came forward and said i 'm struggling with school and someone and just people were pay, paid for his school right there um, Just so many beautiful things i 'm sure Jesus is not looking at it and just uh, being skeptical like my brain and my heart can be sometimes. I think he sees beauty when he sees the heart. And one more story, uh, much more tragic, uh, a very tragic story. There was a missionary kid. uh, He was was 26. He would have been um, a year younger than me. I'm going to be 33 this year. John Chow um, from Vancouver, Washington, just not far away. And he went to be a missionary to an unreached people group, the Centine- Um That's our name for them. We don't know exactly what their names are that they have for themselves because they've never allowed outsiders into their, into their community. They've never allowed people to come in. They're very hostile toward outsiders. And John, you know, wanted to go and be a missionary to this people group. And I think he had, he had a lot of preparation and a lot of heart for this people. And, um, and he died trying to do that. Uh, I was just reading the story again last night, and just so sad um, to see uh, that the people that he was trying to reach, they killed him. They, you know, and, uh, and I remember the reactions of people during that time. It was all over the news um, uh, that someone a Christian would try to go and maybe some were using the word like bother this people group that doesn't want to be bothered. We're trying to go and 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 be a minister, and there some were saying, you know, uh, that that was just a dumb a dumb thing that this kid did. And I am ashamed to admit I feel like I had a little bit of that, like oh I, well I feel like he should have done this or if you, maybe you should have done that when you see an extravagant gift like that and then you you have your opinions, you know. I wonder if Jesus, I, I'm sure when Jesus saw what happened, that there were tears in his eyes as he observed what this this, uh, this man, this, this young man was trying to accomplish um, on behalf of his king. And he said, that is beautiful and well done when he got to welcome him in. And I want, I think we need to have that kind of heart <laughs> for when we look at, circumstances around us, when we look at people who are um, pouring out their heart to the Lord, and whatever that needs, looks like, I think we all have our opinions, we all have our uh, judgmental kind of like perspectives, and I think we need to be more quick to listen and and slow to, to judge, uh, because again, I think Proverbs talks about not judging a case before you have um, Completed like before you have all the information in front of you, right? And again, we're not God. We don't have all the information uh, all the time. And so, um, but what if we looked at it and changed our perspective and say, Lord, give me your perspective on the world circumstances happening today, on the situations that are... And may we see beauty where others see waste. So, and again, where we see only waste, Jesus can see beauty. Uh, May we have the eyes of the Lord... As we do that, what would actually be a waste? What would, what would be true waste? I think it would be to have the water of life and never share it. That is, to know the good news and never share it with your neighbor or your friends or the people around you. Uh, What would be a true waste? I think to have all the riches of grace in your life, but never give to someone in need. Uh, To know all the right things, but never actually serve people, love people in your life the way that Jesus loved and served us. I think that's a true waste. When we consider the costliness of what we have as followers of Jesus and what we have been given as a gift... Um, we have the gift of eternal life, uh, given to us by Jesus Himself, and in order to share that, like we just finished a month of missions emphasis uh, in February, do we undervalue our gift? Do we undervalue what we actually have, and and overvalue or maybe overestimate the circumstances around us and think, oh, it's too crazy, too too awkward, too whatever. And we hide it, and we, we keep that tucked away somewhere. Um, I read a book a long time ago. John Piper called, read, uh, wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Life. I think it was a condensed version of another book that he had, a bigger book that he would written. And he um, gives an example of uh, this people, this, you know, this older couple who retired, and all they wanted to do in life was collect seashells and be happy, you know. And uh, he, John Piper, in his uh, uh, very, you know, forward way of talking, he was like, what a waste, (laughs) what a wasted life. To get to the end of your life and all you say, all I want to do is have a a seashell seashell collection. When we have Jesus, the giver of life, the maker of the seashells, the maker of the sea and everything, that we can go and be a light and a witness to others. Um, What's true beauty? It's unashamed devotion to Jesus, as this woman uh, portrayed in her gift to the Lord. Um, she considered her gift of a lesser value than, than uh, the value of who Jesus is and what he's done. And Jim Elliott, who was also a missionary, maybe very, very uh, famous in the evangelical world for being someone who went to uh, also a lost uh, or a, a people group who had not had contact with the outside world, were very hostile. Um, he and some of his friends died reaching this group. And um, the, this group has now, through Jim Elliott's family, through his wife and his kids, they ended up living among this people. And the whole uh, people group became Christians. Many of them became Christians and began to witness to other tri- of other. N- people groups in that country and in that region of the world, and it's just a beautiful story of, of sacrifice, of life that can come from death, and Jim Elliott is famous for saying this, and living it out, he is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Um, he is no fool who gives away what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. Um, Jesus talks about this over and over in the parables, different things of some people who built storehouses of wealth and had it um, just, just packing things away, packing things away like squirrels, packing, you know, away their, 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 um, uh, I don't know, nut chests. I'm not sure what you call the, the their store places for their nuts and things like that. Um, and then, you know, and then they live their life and, and you, you come across these things and you're like, I wonder what they needed all this for. They're not even here. Um, that's what happens in our, in our life. We store away so many things, and it just goes to, goes to nothing. You know, it's like, what do we have these resources for? Um, and uh, Jesus understood, I think, when people look at situations, when we, in our cynicism, and we, in our judgmentalism, look at situations and go, what a waste, you know? Um, Jesus knows firsthand what the woman was going through in that moment. Um, he knows the 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 shame of that kind of that social shame in a deep way. He knows the the feeling it is when someone looks at you and just you know kind of shakes their head and tisk tisk kind of thing. Um, uh, and and this is why. So, verse one, we entered into chapter fourteen. And it says this, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. Um, Mark isn't just kind of giving you some historical, like, oh, this was, this was what was happening on the calendar or whatever. It's like purposeful. Um, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread are, is this celebration of, uh, for the Jewish people and the Israel, uh, people of Israel remembering the deliverance that they had from Exodus, uh, from, from uh, Egypt. And all the way back in Exodus, you remember the big story of Moses coming in and, and saying, let my people go, and God providing a way for them to, and to exit. Um, and part of that, like the key thing in this was the Passover lamb, uh, whose blood was shed and covered the doorpost so that when God's angel came in, he knew that this family, this family, this household, there is redemption here, you know, and even Passover, and unleavened bread was this idea of uh, they needed to exit quickly, you know, and they needed to um, not let the bread rise. Um, but it also came to symbolize something like uh, pure bread, yeast being like sin, or yeast being like these things. And so this this very um, important, a very uh, uh, deeply significant. Festival, deeply significant Passover uh, holiday, all that kind of stuff. Jesus is um, celebrating this with his disciples. And I want us to point, uh, I want to point out a couple of things really, really quick here. The wording of when the woman came in to pour this alabaster jar of perfume over Jesus. says, she broke the jar in verse 3 and poured the perfume on his head broke and poured. And just a little while later, um, in Mark 14 as well, Jesus is giving uh, is taking this meal, the Passover meal. Now it's, it's, it's uh, Passover night. It's time to celebrate. And Jesus is taking this very deeply significant um, symbol of the bread and the wine, and he's re-signifying re-signif- uh, it. He's saying, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, the same word that the lady mirrored, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So the, the woman's actions were, are mirrored and amplified here in jesus's action of showing the sacrifice that he is going to um, do for many it says Um, breaking his the bread is this significant of breaking his body being broken for others Uh, pouring the wine drinking the wine this this blood the symbolism of blood being poured out on behalf of others Um, i wonder you know when Jesus knew, again, this, the shame, the, the whatever, the, the people saying, what a waste, when he was on the cross and people were looking at him and yelling and jeering and saying, what a waste. Um, he said he was the king of the Jews. He can't even, you know, get off the cross. He, he said that he would do all these things, you know, and they're mocking him and scorning him and beating him and all of these things. And so the very social shame that this woman Felt Jesus was looking at it, and, and probably reflecting upon what he was about to do. And instead of seeing waste, like like so many others others saw, he saw beauty. And he saw that this was a significant moment for um, uh, for us to be able to see it and wonder. Um, I, I, I you know when I think about the the perfume being poured out over Jesus you know, kind of contrasting it with the blood of Jesus being poured out over who? You know, if others were looking at the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice for who? Um, I wonder if people would say, what a waste. Um, I wonder if we feel that sometimes when we wonder what Jesus has done for us. Uh, And when we go, that wasn't just for you know, some rich person or some person who was able to kind of get in good with God or whatever. It's, that's not who Jesus came for. It, it, you we can't earn his grace. You can't earn his forgiveness. It's a gift. It's an extravagant, lavish gift. And when Jesus pours it out, he pours it out indiscriminately, uh, regardless of who we are, what we've done, um, to cover us and to cleanse us from our sin. And I wonder if sometimes we feel like I'm just not worthy. And it's true. <laughs> We're not worthy. Um, but when the Father sees what Christ has done for us, He doesn't see wastefulness, He sees beauty. And when He sees our lives uh, being transformed by the grace of Jesus, and confession, and repentance, and trust of what Jesus has done, um, He doesn't see waste, He sees beauty. And um, so we have this, this treasure, as Paul says, in jars of clay, like this preciousness uh, of life in, in, our, in us, and would we be the people that would share it with others, would pour ourselves out for others, just as this woman exemplified in her gift, and what Christ is exemplifying in his death and resurrection. Um, I want to uh, point us to this uh, last verse here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Again, you think about the, the poor and the, the comment about the poor. Jesus identified himself with the poor. With... Th- the least of us, so that the least of us would become uh, sons and daughters of God. Um, Jesus became for, be poor so that we might become rich in his grace, rich in his life. Um, so the call this morning to those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have this treasure in jars of clay. May we not hide it. May we uh, not waste it in our lives, and it's not a guilt trip necessarily. I'm trying to just say, this is worth everything, you know. Uh, it's worth giving our full selves to him. Um, and for those of us who aren't followers of Jesus, um, maybe you feel that shame, uh, like many of us have felt at times. We're, we're just not worthy. We're not worthy of this. You know, Jesus, why would, why would Jesus want anything to do with me? Um, when Jesus was considering you know, those of us, uh, as he was dying on the cross, uh, the thief that was dying next to him, uh, and he says, you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and he's forgiving those who, are, who have crucified him, who have turned him in, who have um, uh, done all of these evil things to him. He says, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's exemplifying this deep love. And when he sees you, and you're wondering, could he love me? Um, Jesus doesn't see wastefulness in how he gives himself. He sees beauty and he wants to bring beauty out of the brokenness, um, uh, out of our brokenness. And so, uh, may that be an invitation to you as well this morning. I-, I wanted just to end with a, um, with a song and, uh, uh, it's just nothing but the blood. And, um, Would you sing it with me? And as as we sing it together, would we reflect on the beauty uh, of God?
1: Is the flow that makes me white as snow? No other fountain, I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Could we stand and sing? Nothing can force in a tone, nothing but the 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 blood.
0: Lord, would we consider the blood that you've shed for us more precious than uh, gold, more precious than silver. Um, We thank you for the sacrifice that you've made, uh, breaking and pouring yourself out for us um, to heal our brokenness and to make us new. Would we go as your followers and share this message with others? And for those that have yet to follow you, Lord, would you beckon them to yourself through us and through uh, continual remembrance of what you've done for us, a reminder of your love um, and that your, your life is, um, is so transforming. And so bring that healing to our church family here and bring that boldness that we would share with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.